What's up, guys? This is Caleb. So this is our first podcast, and to be honest, the first couple of minutes are brutal. They're boring. They're hard. But we wanted to get started. We know this podcast is going to be amazing. It's going to provide a lot of value to you guys from nutrition, fitness, community goal setting, so many different capacities. But I think this is a testament to showing start. If you're doing a fitness and nutrition journey, the same is true for us doing this podcast. Start. Don't let something like not feeling like you're prepared uh, hold you back. So here's a testament to us. I apologize as you listen to us babble through this, but it's going to be an amazing podcast and we're so excited to continue to do this. So good luck and here it goes. Well done. So welcome to the Project Rise podcast. Paula's going to sing us in, (laughs) sing the intro song. Project Rise, Project Podcast. (laughs) That is our new jingle introduction. Um, So welcome to Project Rise, our very first podcast. We have not formally named it yet because we really want it to take shape on its own. So for now, we are calling it Project Rise, Project Podcast. My name is Paula Horowitz. I am a member here at Project Rise, and I am joined today by owner and operator, Mr. Caleb Sumner. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about some habits and baseline things that anyone can do to begin their fitness and nutritious nutrition journey, excuse me. But most importantly, we're going to talk about how these things serve as the foundation to achieving individual goals. Before we get into that, though, I want to introduce one of the most exciting pieces of this segment, the piece that I am looking most forward to doing each time we host a podcast. And that is to solicit ideas for a weekly, monthly, whatever it might be, but a nutrition taste test. I thought we were calling it a nutrition challenge. Nutrition challenge. Like it's an eating competition each week, Well, that's true. Followed by some incredible activities that we will be videoing. So you'll want to stay tuned for those as well. But our nutrition challenge. um, So what that consists of is we'll get some ideas together, but we're going to bring in three separate items that we will taste test each time we host a podcast with our guests, um, whoever is joining us for that podcast. And we will have to understand the nutritional components of it so that we can make wise choices because whichever one we decide to actually eat, we then have to go and do the physical activity in order to burn those calories off. Yeah, so we're excited about this. Um, Since today we don't have anything prepared, we're just going to be eating air. (laughs) and we're going to taste it, um, understand the calories behind it, and because there's none, we don't have to do anything to work it off. That's true, but it does breathe life into us, so this is going to be a good day before we have to burn any calories. So for Um, future challenges, we had some ideas of taking three different types of pre-workout, which could make for a very interesting podcast. Um, But if any of you guys have ever gotten, oh, go try this, it's really healthy, and then you bring it home and eat it, and it tastes like cardboard. We're going to try some of that stuff. Um, also, we're going to think about if you go somewhere and you add cheese to something, what does that look like as far as having to burn that slice of cheese off? And if you were to go rollerblade, how long would you have to rollerblade to burn off that slice of cheese? So we're going to be talking about some of those things. And But we'd love your feedback. What are some things that you want us to test, try, 
is this good for me? Is this not good for me? Um, and what should I be thinking about? So let us know. Also feel free to send us ideas on places that you like to go and eat so that we can take a look at those options and talk you through some of the, um, the challenges and choices that you'll have to make while you're there. Exactly. Yes. All right. So stay tuned for that one. What we're going to do, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to interrupt you. What, just to kick this thing off, um, what is your favorite kind of sandwich? Just sorry, talking about food got me kind of excited. My favorite kind of sandwich? Yeah. No, actually, breakfast food. I like Mm -hmm. that better. My favorite breakfast food that I prepare every morning after my protein shake is what I call the egg scramble. So I scramble up eggs, uh, nitrate-free bacon, of course. Um, I saute red, green, orange, and yellow peppers, and I saute spinach, mix that all together, and usually put a slice of avocado and some fresh tomatoes on top. Wow. I was going to say the McGriddle. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess the real question is, are we talking Saturday morning or Tuesday morning? Every morning. Every morning. Creature of habit. (laughs) Yes. Monday through Friday, my breakfasts are amazing. They look uh, the exact same as well, and, mm-hmm. and they make me feel feel great. But Sunday brunch, pancakes, waffles, French toast, doused in butter and syrup. Oh, no. <laughs> now, if my children are making breakfast, I will eat what they prepare me. They are very kind in making gluten-free, high-protein pancakes for me. But then they do absolutely top it with ice cream and sprinkles and whipped cream and... I'll indulge simply because I want to make them feel good. Do you know who has some of the best um, gluten-free pancakes in Denver? Actually, there's two places. You should share with me. Um, Breakfast on Broadway. Good to know. They have a rice pancake in it. Mm. If you have gluten-free stuff, the stuff that's more gummy, like ricey tasting. Um, So they're real thin. They're not fluffy pancakes, but they're absolutely delicious. Mm. And then um, Four Friends, which Mm. they have a location in Stapleton and now down by DU but they make incredible gluten-free pancakes if you're looking for something. So I will be frequenting their establishments here very soon. I love to seek out the good gluten-free options around Denver. Uh, So shout out to those two. We'll be stopping in. Yes, they're the best. (laughs) Great. So Caleb, we talked a little bit about food, which I don't even need to ask why. I think I know why you like to talk about food. You love to eat. Definitely. So let's take that question of why and talk to me, talk to us about why Project Rise. Where did this come from? Why did you want to start this gym? What's, what's the foundation here? You know, I get asked this question often, and I feel like my answer um, changes sometimes. Um, it definitely started with passion for sports and athlete, athletics as, when I was a kid um, and loving to do that. Um, but I think as I've grown in understanding why I do this, is um, the energy that I get through helping people through the process um, is what I'm truly addicted to, and that is my why. Um, I discovered it for myself years ago that, you know, as I was stressed as an athlete um, training and wondering whether I'd succeed in my games or my tournaments or whatever I was doing, I realized that I recognized the process, the training, getting the preparation for it was actually something I enjoyed more than winning um, 
which is kind of a weird thing, especially as a, um, a athlete. And so I jumped onto that concept and realized that I liked that part. Um, and I really enjoyed it. So then as I created um, a business around helping people work through these things, it puts me on fire every day. And it's, um, you know, an Olympian in the morning wakes up and their goals are easy because they know exactly what they want. Um, and it's not, they don't flounder. But for me, I feel the, the exact same where it's, uh, I love helping people through that process. And it gives me the, the surge each day to continue to do what I do. I want to focus on that point that you just made about helping people. I believe personally that's really what Project Rise, um, how we differ from other gyms. There are countless gyms out there where you can go and spend $30, $40, $60, up to $200 a month, get access to all sorts of different activities and classes and um, not necessarily one-on-one -on -one coaching under certain structures. But for me, it is the ability to walk into Project Rise and get something different than I do at any other gym. For me, in the challenges that I face in finding a balance between my emotional and physical health is what brought me to back here to Project Rise. So talk about how you work with individuals and what individual needs are and how that drives the, the business of Project Rise and the structure of Project Rise. Yeah, so um, there's lots of amazing gyms, nutritionists, um, fitness programs out there, and I think they um, they do things that are incredible, um, and they're especially good at helping people get to their short-term goals. So if someone's trying to get ready for vacation or something like that, putting some programs together to help them do that. Um, while we think we're great at that as well, one of our missions is to focus on the long run and say... Yes, we want you to look amazing in your bathing suit in six weeks from now, but along the way, were we creating habits that make that process more sustainable? And that's the foundation of success because everyone can buckle down, you know, for 30 days or six months or whatever it looks like and get ready for their wedding. Um, but then the question is always what happens after? And I think we are experts in understanding that process. Um, myself and all my staff are really incredible at diving in and essentially that's what they've done in their own lives is said, okay, I'm struggling in this capacity. What's a way that I could be better at this um, and make this process easier? And mentioning that word, I think that's the, the key to the success of this is changing habits. Everyone kind of knows that, but the question becomes, how do you do that? And the process has to become easier, not harder because that's the drop-off. That's what happens with individuals. They commit to getting ready for something. They work really hard. They have eye on the prize for X number of days. But then the second they get sick or tired or have a long weekend or just don't feel very motivated that day, that's the very first thing to go. And Agreed. You yeah. talk about the necessity with building the gym and connecting with your members um, and the planning process that went into that. But Building a gym over the course of months and years in any small business really takes a lot of planning and preparation, but so does getting up every morning or hitting the gym every afternoon uh, for a member. So let's talk about preparation and planning. What are some easy things that somebody new to Project Rise needs to know so that they can be planning ahead of time and be successful when they walk in the door for their, their first, second, third, or even hundredth session with us. 
Yeah, so the real answer to this question is going to take me like a thousand hours hours to answer because <laughs> there's a million things you can do. Um, but that sometimes is the piece that struggle that people struggle with because it's overwhelming, and they try to do seven different things. So, one of the things we suggest and push people toward is change one to two habits um, a day or a week. Um, but the key behind that is being successful with your changes. So if you try to change something and um, you're not succeeding in it, then adjusting that strategy so you can. But to answer your question, um, I'm just going to steal something that you like to do. Um, if you're a morning working out, worker outer, mm-hmm. is that, is that a, a, a real word? I was homeschooled, I so I don't know. We're going to go with it. There's we a were... lot of things we create here at Project Rise, and vocabulary should be part of that list. So <laughs> That's good. My mom in homeschool always said I could do <laughs> just make words up, so apologize in advance. Um, but one thing we love to teach people and something that you do yourself successfully is uh, if you wake up super early in the morning, laying your clothes out, your water bottle, um, even like having your keys and wallet or purse, you know, ready to go, um, seems very simple and like it wouldn't actually inhibit you going to the gym. But sometimes you never know when you're laying in bed and the alarm goes off. No one or very seldomly do you hear the alarm and you get really excited. Oh, God, no. Definitely not. <laughs> and you think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to wear and whether that's because you're concerned about the way you look or even just having dirty laundry or whatever. That might be one little thing that causes you not to go to the gym that day. And what we want to do is eliminate that process in your brain, make it easier to say, um, not say those things. And uh, it also sometimes laying that stuff out. I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever woken up super early, but I've like. I timed myself one time. So when I used to coach early in the morning, if I didn't lay my clothes out and literally it's just like putting on the clothes, like I don't spend five minutes like determining if the outfit matches or whatever. (laughs) I'm very male like in that sense. Uh, but, uh, I timed myself. It took me like six minutes to like just put on my clothes which was absurd. It should take me 30 seconds. Right. And it's because my brain was so tired and I was functioning so slow and so I knew this, and so one day I timed it, and that's why it took me that long. So I started realizing that I could sleep an extra five minutes mm-hmm. if I laid my clothes out, because then it was just like, woke up, mission was to put on the items in front of you instead of figure out what shirt I'm going to put on. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, because the reason I started laying my clothes out the night before wasn't necessarily to be better prepared in the morning. It was to spare my husband the need to flip a light on to find my clothes. And so I found that actually one time when he was traveling, the night before I went to the gym, I did not lay my clothes out. And I was a disaster. I was an absolute disaster. I was a good 10 minutes late to class simply because, as you said, my brain was not functioning. And over the course of time, I have learned that prior to seven o'clock, my brain does not have the capability of making decisions. And I think that's another reason why I love coming to Project Rise because I show up and I'm told what to do. I don't have to go to a big empty gym and figure out the equipment. What are my weights? What do I do with this? Am I going to get tied up in these cables? It works for a lot of people, but for someone such as myself that is most productive in the morning physically, I need to show up where somebody's just going to tell me what to do. So having those items laid out the night before and not having to think has just saved my sanity and probably saved my marriage too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that that concept is is big because if you um, like 
even sometimes people ask this of me of like, you know, I was a high level athlete my whole life. And so I'm extremely internally motivated, um, especially from a workout capacity standpoint or, or exercise. Um, but one thing I learned about myself was I, I don't, um, do well working out by myself and I can make it happen if I need to. Um, but it's not wise for me to structure my workouts consistently around that concept. Um, so when I hop in a class or when I ask a couple friends to work out with me, um, I intentionally build that into my life so that I'm more likely to do it. So again, kind of referencing the morning example, if you know that one, you told a friend that you were going to be there, there's another layer of accountability to show up. Um, but even if you didn't, I know that the second that I'm out of bed for more than five minutes, unless, you know, one in a hundred days, uh, this doesn't work, but I'm good for the day. I'll right. be okay. And so one of the things that <laughs> when I wake up in the morning, um, one of the things that I do is when the alarm goes off, um, one, there's no, uh, there's no snoozing. You're not allowed to snooze. I snooze. <laughs> I also set my alarm 35 minutes before I'm supposed to be out of bed, like worst case scenario out of bed. So I allow myself one snooze. Yes. And it's good. It's well, good. I'm there's, sorry. There's varied thoughts on it. But um, I went on a no snoozing campaign for myself for a while. And um, one of the things that I learned was even for me when my alarm went off and if I turned it off and then put my head back on the pillow, like even that was harder than turning it off and getting up out of bed. Now that initial little bit of the pain or discomfort when you're first getting out of bed kind of sucks. But what my morning looks like is the alarm goes off and then I sit up immediately and go right into the kitchen where the coffee is. And you coffee drinkers, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, it's, and for me, actually I've switched to mostly decaf. Um, but it's kind of that habit that's I've created around, once I'm drinking this, now I'm awake. And so it's a conditioning that I've created. Have you ever seen those as seen on TV alarm clocks where if you try to hit snooze or you wait too long, it starts like it, there's one that'll like jump off the, your bedside table and you have to go catch it. There's <laughs> one where you have to do a math problem. There's one where you have to, it's like a mat, like a doormat that you have to stand on for a set amount of time. So these are all little gadgets out there that will help people. But something even more simple would be to simply set your alarm clock on the other side of the room or your phone, whatever you use for an alarm. So those simple little things where you can start to make small changes through preparation. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and learning yourself, like what, what are the triggers? Um, you know, I had a friend in college that slept through every alarm. So he got this like massive uh, thing that he put under his pillow and it vibrate. When oh, how uncomfortable. Or, and it literally felt like you were like in a carny ride that was breaking <laughs> down when, because I like tried it one morning. Well, what ended up happening with him is it's just, he bought it, he used it a bunch and then he just stopped using it because right. he was tired of it jolting him out of bed. Um, but kind of going back to the point of, um, I've learned that once I'm out of bed and once I'm moving around and especially if I'm not like staying in my bedroom or something like that, if I'm in the bathroom or in the kitchen or something like that, I'm the chances of me climbing back into bed and going back to bed are like almost zero to none. And that's a really good point that you make. Once you're up and moving, it's easier to continue that momentum. So the same applies for people that choose to work out in the afternoon or evenings. There needs to be planning and preparation for them as well. What I have found with my husband is he won't pack a gym bag 
when he leaves for work and he comes home after work thinking, oh, I'll stop home, I'll change and then go to the gym. And nine times out of 10, he has two little blondes running up to him. Oh, look what I did at school today. I need your help with this. And something gets in the way that prevents him from going. So packing your bag and tossing it into into your car before you leave for the day so that you don't come home and sit down on your favorite spot on the couch or mix that, you know, that drink after work or wine, whatever it might be, because you've had a hard day, planning to go directly from one place to the gym is an easy success measure that a lot of people could bring into their routines. Yeah, 100%. And we, we uh, teach that because again, it's just eliminating that thing in your head that's going to say, cause you not to be successful with what you're trying to accomplish. So um, for people that work out in the evening or late afternoon, uh, eliminating going home is 100% something we teach people all the time. What can you do to create those environments for yourself? Um, like even the, our class structure, um, we 100% don't care if anyone's late. Um, this we, is very true. And if our, our class is broken up into kind of two different parts, um, and so sometimes there's individual, and we, we run our classes on the half hour, but there's sometimes where people can only show up at 6, not 5.30, and their days are limited so they can't just like hang out for half an hour. So we're like hop in the second part of class and then do the first part of the next class. Um, and just to eliminate that going home and because you just never know what's going to happen. A lot of times we push people toward, especially people that have really crazy lives or have kids, um, that provide a lot of, uh, unpredictable variables is working out in the morning or at your lunch breaks because you don't know what the day's going to bring. If you work out in the morning, you there's very seldom something that comes up that doesn't allow Absolutely. you to go work out. Um, whereas once the day begins, if you're planning on working out at 7.30 at night, you don't know what's going to come up that day, whether it's out of your control or whether you just get exhausted from a busy day or whatever that looks like. So um, sometimes we encourage people to do that. Uh, working out at your lunch break is a great one too um, for busy people. Um, because that's a, a lot of times you can control that more so than you can control later things. So getting over to work out on your lunch break. These are all great things to consider. Um, you brought something up a little bit earlier ago about recognizing when you sit down to take on a new fitness or nutrition journey, you have to have a why, you have to have a foundation. And once you determine what that is, and for you it's for helping helping others, for me it's finding a way to have balance mentally, emotionally, and physically without needing to bring in any type of medication um, and things like that. And you mentioned the need to say, I realize there are about 15 or 20 things that I have to do in order to make progress here, but taking it one step at a time. And that applies to, as we've been talking about, you know, getting things ready in the morning or ahead of time so that you don't have those excuses come up. But what about nutrition? What about eating? That's the place where I just lose it every single time. I either don't eat enough or I'm so hungry that I will grab whatever is in front of me. And sometimes that's a bag of Cheetos. That's horrible. So when we talk about planning and preparation for nutrition, what are some easy things that anyone new to this discussion should be keeping in mind? And I'm making notes on this because I still need to learn. <laughs> yeah, again, there's a long list on this one, but um, just a couple that come to mind is don't ever get starving. Um, 
you know, it's, it's a thing that we see a lot, um, where someone will have a very small breakfast or not eat breakfast, have a very small lunch, not, not really eat lunch. And then at night binge because right. they, they got starving. Um, so when you're starving, it's really hard to make good choices. And so trying to create small snacks throughout your day. So you never get to that place where you're, um, exceptionally hungry. That's a great item to bring up. I know how busy my life is with kids and work and, you know, my commitments to the gym and my commitments to family and friends. And I often find that I will get into a project and it's 4.30 before I realize I haven't eaten lunch. And so having, whether it be a protein bar or having fresh fruit around, it's one thing my husband said uh, a while ago when we first started kind of dating and spending time together he realized very quickly that I was getting hungry long before I realized I was hungry and I would get snappy and I wouldn't be able to make a decision. And out of nowhere, he'd pull a granola bar out of his pocket and I would just look at him and say, that's exactly what I need. But I wasn't able to think through it. Some people have suggested setting alarms on your phone. Um, some people have suggested anytime you get up to fill your water bottle, you should also get a little snack. What are some ways that people can intentionally bring in snacks and, and good eating habits for really busy schedules? Plan it. Okay. Ske- <laughs> schedule it. Schedule so it. Um, when we talk about this, like uh, with my staff about working out, like we all work in a gym and everyone thinks that we have hours and hours a day to go work out. Um, but sometimes we're so busy, we don't even get a chance to. So uh, even s- people like us schedule our workouts like it's a meeting. But I would say the same for you if you struggle with your, your eating habits. Um, plan time to put an alarm in your phone um, to say at 10 a.m. or whenever that mid-break is um, that you got to eat something. Because especially if you're working a busy job or you just get very distracted when you're at work, I've been in that same place too where you're like, oh, I'll eat in 30 minutes or I'll eat when I'm right. done with these emails or I'll eat when I'm X. And we all know that turns into three hours and then three hours means I'm starving. Right. Um, so that creates problems. And then also just your metabolism functions much better when you're consistently feeding it um, versus giving it long breaks, especially when you're pairing it with exercise. And Now on the flip side of this, it is notorious for people to keep a little dish or jar of treats on their desk for people that come in. I found that I wasn't eating regularly I wasn't eating well but I was eating and I was actually eating three pounds of peanut M&Ms a day I'm not exaggerating I would go and buy the quote-unquote share size it is not a share size in my world and that would be on my desk and I would be working I'd be sending emails taking phone calls and just handfuls of peanut M&Ms a day so I had to cut that out to the point where I know I can never eat another peanut M&M again or I will slip down that slide very quickly. So thinking about what type of snacks to have in. Um, I also did a little research I was reading and I know everyone talks about soda, you know, and how much sugar is in that and the, the nutritional value is non-existent. So how can people begin to transition away from some of those quick, you know, little fillers that they use throughout the day and replace it with something more healthy? Yeah, you know, there's a big difference between snacking and snacks. 
Um, so snack is something that I've planned. Uh, I have the size portion of it planned out. Okay. So it's a protein bar that I open and I eat the whole thing. It's a small bag of a healthy chip or a protein chip. Um, it's a bag of veggies that I packed that has a small bit of hummus attached right. to it. Um, snacking is opening a bag of chips, putting it next to you and mindlessly eating while you're work- doing emails. Like the whole boom chicka pop bag that exactly. is gone now because I ate that yesterday. <laughs> so the mindless aspect of eating is sometimes the most dangerous because, um, especially stuff like chips or things that you can just continue to munch on. Right. Um, you have one, you have no clue into how much you end up eating. Um, and so one thing slightly different, but, uh, with almond butter, um, when I used to eat that, and actually I'm going to talk about nuts here in a second, but when I used to eat almond butter, you can't tell me I can't eat (laughs) almond butter. I love that. No, no. Nut butters are great. Okay. Um, so when I used to eat it, instead of getting a jar, I learned, I started buying single serve packs and Uh. price point actually wasn't that much more expensive to buy single serves, but I started noticing that I was scooping spoonfuls out and eating it out of spoonfuls. And then you have no clue really how much you're eating versus if you have one single serve pack, you can monitor and measure how much you're eating much more successfully. That's a really good point. Something I should probably do. I'm pretty sure I use like a third of a jar of nut butter per apple. And that is not really well, what it's intended speaking for. Of the nut thing. So we have a kind of a joke uh, amongst uh, some of my staff that um, we're, we're considering starting like a hashtag stop the nut <laughs> or stop eating a handful of almonds. That's horrible. So one of the things that we see a lot with our nutrition clients and my nutritionist could speak to this much better than I could, but um, is m- a lot of times people, uh, you know, will say, well, what did you eat throughout the day? And like, oh, I had a handful of nuts. So there's two things that can be negative to that. Um, well, first, everyone thinks that nuts are incredibly good for you and they're amazing. Well, and while they, they are, have, right? Yes. Well, one, the question is what kind of nut? Um, but then two, beyond that, of course, they have healthy fats and there's some some amazing um, benefits you can get out of that. Um, but the negative to that, especially when we're considering like a handful of almonds, it goes back to that same concept where how much did you eat? What What was it? Because one... A handful of almonds sometimes is like 200 calories. And so if you had eight handfuls of almonds, you might have had 1,600 calories just in almonds that day. And And that's like a baseline calorie count right there. 1,600 calories for somebody that maybe is looking to lean down um, or just start to like track their, their caloric intake. 1,600 is like a nice easy number, right? Yeah, I mean, from a calorie standpoint, that um, it depends, of course, on your size and your goals and your training. But, um, you know, sometimes that's people's total calories for the day. Yeah. And when you just have a bag of almonds uh, or some other types of nuts and you're just kind of like, uh, you know, occasionally having a couple handfuls of nuts, um, you can run into that problem. And then on the flip side of that, um, you know, nuts are don't have a very high satiation level. So meaning keeping you full. So especially for individuals that are trying to diet or trying to watch, um, monitor how hungry they are because they're dieting or, or, or being in a calorie deficit, you go and eat a handful of almonds and let's say it's 200 calories. Well, the difference between 200 calories and nuts and the difference between 200 calories and like rice cakes or even a mix of rice cakes and veggies or even a mix of veggies, rice cakes, and a little bit of almond butter of 200 calories from a filler standpoint could look extremely different. 
and so you could continue to get hungry eating those handful of almonds um, and then you're staying hungry the whole time. But so that really brings us back to this statement that you made about snacking versus snacks. So really planning those snacks out. And yes, you may have a handful of almonds as one of your snack options, but making sure that it's intentional and portioned out and you have other items that complement that that you're eating throughout the day. Yeah, of course. And yeah, and, and it all depends. Are you trying to gain weight? Are you trying to maintain? Are you trying to lose weight? What's your diet look like? Um, but given that, sometimes you're trying to balance how hungry you are and find ways, low-calorie ways to keep yourself full. Right. Um, other times we have people that are in too big a deficit and they need to be eating more. So there's yeah. ways to get around that as well. But I think uh, there's a misnomer that if I eat almonds, I'm going to become some superior being. Right. And um, another thing that commonly we see is people come in and do exercise and they get really lightheaded and they'll go sit down in the middle of the workout or something like that. And we start talking through and we find out all they had was some nuts that day. Right. And so all nuts, most nuts don't have any carbohydrates or very little carbohydrates associated with them. So again, you're not getting some of that fuel you may need for your exercise or even just running around with your kids or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, but that's a big one too, where they don't, they don't provide the, the energy support that, that, that you might think they would. So, you know, talking about there's what a reason we eat. why they don't digest that well. Okay. <laughs> so talking about what we eat, you know, sometimes it's hard to keep track of that. It's a really busy day and maybe you have kids, maybe you don't, maybe you're traveling. So I was recently introduced to just a free app on the phone where as I eat, I can just quickly go in, log what it is that I've had at that meal or that snack, even has the option with the camera to scan the UPC so, and that will pull the nutritional information in. And that, it, would you agree that starting with tracking and looking at what your eating habits consist of is the strongest place to start before you just go making broad stroke changes to your, your eating habits? The reason why every diet works and why there's, you know, 15 different diets that everyone's lost 20 pounds doing and some of them are polar opposite philosophies of the other right. um, is that uh, bringing awareness to what you're eating is going to impact the way you eat. Right. And so that uh, that usually for us, for our nutrition clients, is our very first step is let's start monitoring what you're eating. And a lot of times people can get hung up on that because they think it could be it's obsessive um, or it takes too much time or s something along those lines. But while in the beginning, it can be a little bit time um, sucking. Uh, it's a skill and it's a knowledge that you're gaining. So Absolutely. unlike me following some really strict diet um, and spending a lot of time and energy being able to follow that diet, whether it's meal prepping or whatever that looks like, a lot of that knowledge and energy is not going to um, carry through to the rest of my life. Right. But me learning and educating myself on how many grams of protein are in a chicken breast versus a chicken thigh and and how many how much fat is associated with that is a skill that I will always know. And the better you get at it, the quicker you can begin to do it in your head. So whether you continue to track your food the rest of your life or not, um, myself and definitely my nutritionist, they can see a plate of food come through in a restaurant and in probably eight seconds tell you what's in it. And so then we don't get deceived, especially when we're not eating food that we didn't cook, whether right. it's at a friend's house or out to eat. 
and realize, oh, wow, this food actually has 400 calories of oil in it that I didn't even see, but had I understood when I see the glisten on it and how many, how many grams of fat are associated with oil, what right. that could do. So obviously you're talking a little bit more in depth because, I mean, you eat, live, breathe, I'd say other things that you do, but this is, this is your world. For someone such as myself, more of a lay person, where I probably won't ever get quite to the depth of nutrition understanding that you will. But what I have realized in just a basic tracking of my nutrition is despite the, the fact that I am in this gym five days a week, working my tail off and leaving puddles of sweat, I didn't see a difference until I started looking at what I was eating. And so you can go to any extreme with this, but the, the end um, knowledge is that you have to build these two things together. You can't just show up at the gym every day and say, well, I've worked out for an hour, so now I can go eat that pizza by myself. And you can't just say, I'm going to go into a calorie deficit, as you said, and diet, 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 and expect to have the physique, depending on what your physique goals are, of course. But just dieting, just watching your food intake, and just working out is not necessarily going to create a well-rounded and healthy uh, body. Yeah, and that couldn't be um, truer. That's that's we started with just fitness, okay. and um, it, I mean it was through the process of saying, "Wow!" Like I, I'll never forget. Um, probably six or seven years ago, when I was managing a gym, we there was an individual that he would come in all the time, and he would work really hard when he was there. He came probably five days a week. Um, you know, he was sweating all the time. Like I watched him work out all the time and he was always, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight and he never changed. And I watched him for a couple of years. And then one time we did a nutrition challenge and he, he joined it and all of a sudden all his weight came off. All of it. And I never, I'll never forget that. Cause I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Oh, it's clicking now. <laughs> um, and it's funny cause I obviously was doing it for myself at the time, but that was from that moment on, I was saying, wow, the value in nutrition is huge. And a lot of times um, you've heard quotes of, you know, nutrition's 80% of the equation or you can't out-train a bad diet. Right. Um, and that 100% is true. And even for myself, I still struggle with that though. I know it, I teach it. Um, but sometimes I, you know, think, no, I just kind of want to eat this right now and I'll just work I out extra hard it. tomorrow <laughs> to burn it off. Right. And uh, even monitoring, uh, closely monitoring um, my physique from an aesthetic standpoint Every time I start um, gaining or going higher in my body fat percentage is always associated with being sloppier with my diet. Right. And, and we can talk a whole time about how that's okay sometimes and, and that sort of thing. But and we'll definitely talk about that in the future. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, as much as I know it, I'd still struggle applying it to myself a hundred percent of the time. And I still think that, oh no, I'll just work out an extra hour the next day or work out harder or whatever it is. Right. And no matter how hard I work, I can never get to the um, certain physique level that I'm looking for without monitoring my diet or being I, more diligent with it. Just the other day, I was in one of those situations where I was so busy and I didn't eat. And then I had a couple minutes and I went to my fridge and I said, I just want something that's going to stick to my ribs and, and make me feel full. So I grabbed leftover rice, just rice, and I threw it in the saute pan and I heated it up. And I devoured it because I was so hungry. And within an hour, I was feeling grumpy and lethargic and I wasn't feeling good. And then I noticed the next morning at the gym, 
I was struggling to lift 10 pound dumbbell around, above my head because I hadn't had the right nutritional balance the day before. And that's not me sitting there and, and looking at every single calorie and fiber and sugar and all of that, but just recognizing because I started to make some healthy changes that when I brought something in and didn't prepare it the right way, didn't have it in the right uh, balance with other nutrition, how much it affected me within 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's huge, and it'll affect your ability to perform slash workout, right. um, whatever performance looks like for you, whether you're an athlete or just a mom. Hey, um, not just a mom. <laughs> I should say hey. yes, whether you're whether you're just an athlete or an amazing mom. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it will affect you. Um, you know, you could look at too from like if you created too much inflammation the next day sometimes your joints aren't as mobile right so hurt, working out starts to hurt a little bit more than maybe it should um so there's there's just so many variables into having a good diet um but that i think this could be a perfect segue because our next podcast we'd, we we want to talk a lot more about nutrition and bring on some of our nutritionists to discuss this because um everyone knows they're supposed to eat well and a lot of times people know a lot of things that they should eat Right. But the question becomes, how do you eat those? And if we have to eat food at least three times a day um, and then snacks built in for the rest of our lives, we're, you know, that's a big challenge. If I only have to work out three to five times a week for an hour, that's a, a much more manageable thing than trying to control my food. Absolutely. And especially socially when there's, um, you know, if you go to a restaurant and eat French fries, no one's going to look at you. Um, like you have some horrible drug addiction or something like that. <laughs> they are a drug. I love <laughs> potatoes. Yes. So, Caleb, you talked a little bit about why you started the gym, and you alluded to why and when nutrition became an important um, element, was seeing in that gentleman that worked out in another gym you managed. So bringing those both here to Project Rise, the fitness and the nutrition piece, how has that built your why and your outreach to the community? What have you seen from your community members here by bringing those two things together? Success. Awesome. <laughs> and we're done, <laughs> folks. <No. laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like we're not reinventing the wheel. Everyone knows that they need to eat well and exercise. Um, and like I said, there's so many programs out there that can help you with that. I think our goal is we want to comprehensively bring it together. So in the same community. So if you're working out with someone next to you and you guys are workout buddies, but then on top of that, you guys are both following or learning more about nutrition. Um, and then you guys hang out together. That could, that's gonna permeate through your relationship. There's an accountability and, built in. Yeah. There's accountability and, um, support and, um, shared knowledge, uh, that goes along with it. And so the, you know, our success looks like a triangle of nutrition, fitness, and community. And, um, when you pair all of those things in easy ways, meaning your habits support it, then that's the formula for success. And that's how people succeed. We've seen it with our own lives. Um, and we see it with hundreds of people that we work with and perfect. It's, it's, um, it's cool because it's a journey and we're, our goal is to be the impetus for you beginning your journey. We, a lot of times are not a part of the entire journey. Um, but giving you the tools so that you can begin to navigate the process is what we strive to do. 
So the why is building that foundation, building those healthy habits and creating a community where people feel safe and comfortable tackling some some pretty big issues physically, mentally, emotionally, all of those pieces coming together. So as we move forward into our future podcasts, we're really going to dive into some of these these concepts a little bit deeper. As you mentioned, our next podcast is really going to focus more on the nutrition piece, bringing in some of the nutrition counselors here at Project Rise. In the future, we'll be bringing in community members to talk about their experiences, um, the community piece right there, talking about the outreach that Project Rise does, how we build community in-house as well as within the larger community, and a wealth, a plethora of other things. So as we wrap up, is there anything that we need to ask of our members? We definitely need to get them ideas or get ideas from them for our first nutrition taste test challenge, would you rather? Yeah, and Paula, have you decided yet um, Mm -hmm. since we're tasting the air today? Yes. (laughs) What was your favorite? Well, I like the air um, really on the other side of the room because I'm pretty sure you just got done working out not long ago. So the air is permeated by this kind of like gym stench right here. Um, So I'm looking forward to the the door cracking open and getting that fresh air in. Really excited about that. Yeah. How about you? Um, It's great there. I I did have some pre-workout, so I think probably there's some aroma still in the air. So I really appreciate it. You're shaking over here like you're... Ah, ready to go <laughs> exactly i'm ready to work out but there's still aromas in the air so it's it's uh i think i'm i'm getting a, a little bit of taste of that so like a pheromone to me Ooh, it's a pheromone that i'm gonna stay out of the room here shortly so um follow along on our pad- podcast journey uh we've got blogs going we have our wads up uh daily on the project rise dot dot com website uh, facebook and instagram all kinds of ways that members and new members to our community can stay in contact with project rise um anything else did i miss anything no nothing awesome all right (laughs) so thank you for joining us for our first project rise project podcast stay tuned for more exciting conversations and uh yeah testing out some items other than air Thank you for joining. Cue exit music now. Go. <laughs> You're supposed to. <laughs>